Thank you so much for that prayer this morning, Roger. That fits beautifully with what I want to share with you this morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, and I know on any given Sunday we have a number of visitors with us, I am preaching through the attributes of God, the characteristics of God, those things that define who God is. And this morning, we are looking at the sovereignty of God. And the passage that I've chosen to use as our central passage is from the Old Testament book of Daniel. It's Daniel chapter 4 and verses 34 and 35. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there uh, with me this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles underneath the seats uh, where you're at, if you're here in the auditorium. And... um, And if you don't own a Bible this morning, you are welcome to take that Bible with you as a gift to you from our church. If you're watching by live stream, most of the verses will be on the screen. There are a few that I'm going to read this morning that aren't on the screen, um, but I think you'll easily be able to follow along. So what I want to do is I want to read for you Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 and 35, and then I'll come back... What do I leave in my office and what do I bring to the pulpit? And that old saying has never been more true than with this sermon. There's lots left in my office that I didn't bring to the pulpit this morning. The sovereignty of God could easily be a whole series of messages. So I am sharing with you from the study that God has given me, what I believe to be the most important essential parts of this characteristic, this attribute of God. Many great things have been said about the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God has been called the foundational truth of all Christian theology. The sovereignty of God has been called the bedrock doctrine of of all doctrines. It has been called the immovable mountain of God's supreme authority in his right to exercise his authority in everything and in all places. Psalm 135 and verse 6 says this, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas, in all deeps. So if you want a straight-from-the-Bible, biblical definition of the sovereignty of God, this is a good example. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. And that brings us to the passage that we're looking at this morning. Daniel chapter 4. And verses 34 and 35. Now, some of you will remember this, but probably there's quite a few who don't. But back in 2011, I preached through the entire book of Daniel. And when I came to Daniel chapter 4 and to this passage of scripture, I was absolutely fascinated by it. It is such a central passage And the context of verses 34 and 35 are crucial here. Nebuchadnezzar 
at this time in history was the most powerful ruler in the world over the greatest empire in the world at that time. In fact, one of the greatest empires that this world has ever seen, the Babylonian Empire. Nebuchadnezzar becomes a very arrogant, proud man. And in verse 30, he's walking on the roof of his palace. And he looks over, as far as his eyes can see, of this great empire over which he is the ruler. And he says, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. Look what I've done. Look how great I am. And immediately, God punishes him. It says, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. Immediately God punishes him, and for seven Years, seven years, Nebuchadnezzar is struck with a form of insanity. It's actually caused, called zoanthropy, where a person becomes so mentally ill that they believe that they are an animal and live like an animal. So this man goes from being the greatest ruler on earth to being out in the field acting and living like an animal. Completely mentally ill. Now, there is so much here. And I remember preaching on this. If you know the book of Daniel by this time, because Daniel could interpret the king's dreams. Daniel is made the second highest ruler in all of Babylon, much like Joseph in Egypt in the book of Genesis. So many believe, though we don't know this for sure, many believe that it was very possible that for seven years Daniel ruled the Babylonian Empire, and that Daniel protected the king from a military coup. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Can you imagine this king is out there suffering from insanity for seven years? Can you imagine the leaders that would have loved to have rose up and taken his position? But that doesn't happen. But for our purpose this morning, 
at the end of seven years, Nebuchadnezzar sees and thinks more clearly than he ever has in his entire life. At the end of the days, verse 34, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. Again, he's thinking as clearly as he's ever thought. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. Nebuchadnezzar, don't miss it, has humbled himself and now acknowledged with all of his heart it was not him who created this empire. It is not him who rules this empire. It is God who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Verse 35, Nebuchadnezzar, again, this is the greatest ruler on the face of the earth and he says, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, as nothing. And he, God, does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? I personally believe that Nebuchadnezzar, this arrogant ruler, who was in many ways in his early reign a wicked ruler, has this dramatic conversion experience. I believe that. And he acknowledges what every single one of us need to acknowledge this morning, that God is sovereign over all things. He rules and reigns over all things. I want you to know this morning that God is not passively sitting on his throne, disconnected from the world. Instead, he is directly governing and ruling over everything in this world. Right now. Right now. God is directly governing and ruling everything in our world right now. And sometimes we have this misconception about God. We think that God was ruling and reigning in the Old Testament. I mean, he brought the plagues on Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He brought down fire on Mount Carmel. He gave Israel these great and miraculous military victories. And we know that someday Jesus is going to return. And he's going to rule and reign over everything. But somehow we think that right now, God's on a sabbatical. We, we think he's not doing those great things that he did in the Old Testament. He's not doing those great things he's going to do in the future. And folks, I want you to know that God is absolutely ruling and reigning over everything right now. As you sit here, everywhere and in everything. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is the one who is presiding over all things and has the master plan for all of human history. I want you to know this morning that the devil is not in charge. It may seem like it sometimes. 
And he is more powerful than we are. But he is nothing, absolutely nothing compared to God. Satan is not ruling and reigning. God is. God is. And I want you to know this morning that the politicians in Washington are not in charge. And the politicians in Moscow are not in charge. And the politicians in Beijing are not in charge. And you can name whatever country you want and whatever politicians in every capital of the world, they're not in charge, but God is. God is in charge over everything right now. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 through 10. God is speaking. I want us to know that this morning. God is speaking. He says, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Says it all. I am God and there is no other. I am God. And there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. I say, God says, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Well, that brings us to our second point this morning, and that is that God reigns. God reigns. There is only one king who is upon the throne in heaven, and there is only one who is actively reigning, and that is the Lord himself. I don't know if you're familiar with these, but if you go from Psalm 93 to Psalm 99, those psalms are called the enthronement psalms, something you just might want to tuck away for the future. Psalm 93 through Psalm 99 are called the enthronement psalms because they speak of the enthronement of God over all things. So interesting. And we didn't even discuss this together. Pastor Mike had us read this morning from Psalm 96. How appropriate that was for us to read from that psalm. In Psalm 93.1, it says this, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. In Psalm 96.10, it says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Talk about a great missions verse. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Psalm 97.1, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Psalm 99.1, the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. So important every single day, to acknowledge and to remember that men are not reigning, the Lord reigns. Circumstances are not reigning, the Lord reigns. Your life is not ruled by good luck. Your life is not ruled by 
bad luck. Your life is not ruled by blind fate. Folks, things don't happen by accident. There are no random occurrences, and there are no coincidences. Every moment of every day, God is reigning. God is reigning. He reigns over the entire universe. He reigns over the entire globe. The Lord reigns over the whole earth. And his sovereignty is displayed in every place of every part of the entire universe. He reigns over nations and he reigns over nature. He reigns over events and he reigns over circumstances. He reigns over good people and he reigns over evil people. He reigns over human minds and he reigns over human hearts. Now what I want to do in a little bit of a longer closing this morning is I just really want us to think about this in a very personal way. Because God is sovereign over everything, and that includes you. That includes you, and that includes me. So there are three areas that I want us to think about as we bring this together this morning. Number one, God is sovereign In creation, God spoke the universe into being. He spoke all of creation into being. But I want you to know that He sustains it and guides it in every part of it right now, even as we live and breathe and have our being. He actively reigns and presides over the entirety of his created order. There is an old philosophy called deism. Deism teaches that God, or a supreme being, created the heavens and the earth, and then he just let it go. And basically said to human beings, go for it. You're in charge. And so, all of life is totally dependent on our reason and the observation of empirical evidence. And a lot of people live that way. But I want you to know that nothing could be further from the truth. God is actively involved in every part of creation. Think of Jesus' words. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I want you to think about that this morning. I was outside yesterday. What a beautiful summer day it was yesterday. And in my yard were all kinds of sparrows. Looked in the tree, all kinds of sparrows. You know, sparrows are everywhere. And that's just my little tiny piece of dust of this world. There are millions and millions of sparrows all over this world. And not one of them. Not one of them falls to the ground apart from the will of your father. Isn't that amazing? You know, as well as we know that verse, isn't that amazing? Not one of them dies. 
without God knowing about it? Every one of them dies according to the will of God. And the hairs of every head of every person who has ever lived or ever will live are all numbered by God. You know what it says in Psalm 147.4? It says that God determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Next time you're out on a beautiful, clear night and you see all the stars, he knows them all by name. I don't know what their names are, but he calls them. Has a name for each of them. I love the quote from R.C. Sproul, who said, There are no maverick molecules in the universe. No molecule acts on its own. No atom acts on its own. I don't know about you, but that just astounds me. God's guiding everything all of the time. God is sovereign in creation. Secondly, God is sovereign in history. Proverbs 21.1 The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. That verse has fascinated God's people for centuries. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he, God, pleases. God rules over the rulers who rule the earth. Think of Abraham Kuyper and his very famous quote. Abraham Kuyper, if you're not familiar with him, was a great Christian statesman and theologian in the Netherlands in the last part of the 1800s, the first part of the 1900s. In fact, from 1901 to 1905, he was the prime minister of the Netherlands, and he has this famous quote on the sovereignty of God. He says this, there is not a square inch In the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Okay, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Every square inch of the entire universe belongs to the sovereignty of God. It belongs to Christ. So many verses I could share, don't have time to this morning, on how sovereign God is in history. Repeatedly in the Old and New Testament, it says he sets up kings and takes them down. It's so interesting. If you read through the Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah, there was a king in the great Medo-Persian empire named Cyrus. And God used this man, as far as we know, an unsaved man, to completely fulfill the prophecy of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. Cyrus, who ruled over the Medo-Persian empire, which had formerly been the Babylonian empire, The Jewish people had been in captivity there for 70 years. At the end of 70 years, King Cyrus decreed 
that all of the Jewish people who wanted to could return to the land of Israel, could return to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple, the temple that Nebuchadnezzar and his army had burned to the ground. They could return and rebuild the temple and he would provide for all the funding for the rebuilding of that temple and for the protection of the people who would rebuild that temple. In exact fulfillment of the prophecy of Jeremiah. God is sovereign in history. God is sovereign in creation. God is sovereign in history. And then third, God is sovereign in your life and in my life. In Proverbs 16.9, one of my favorite verses, it says this, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. That is a great verse. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. God determined when you would be born. And he has determined when you will die and when I will die. He knows all of that. He knew where you would be born. He knew where you would live. He knew who you would marry. He knew how many children you would have. It was all under his sovereignty. All of it. But even more important than that, if you know Christ as your Savior this morning, God has a very distinct plan for your life. And you have every reason to want to obey him and yield to him and surrender to him in every area of your life because no one wants what's better for you and what's best for you more than God does. Let him rule and reign in your life. Take every decision you make to him. He is at work in more ways in your life right now at this minute than you will ever understand. You've heard me share this before. I just love this quote from John Piper. He says, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life. And you may be aware of three of them. I love that. Because it's so true. And I want each and every person in this auditorium and each and every person watching by live stream to know that God is doing 10,000 things in your life right now. And you may be aware of three of them. Go to him. Let him guide you. He wants you to experience a joy in him unlike which that is beyond your imagination. He does. It doesn't mean there won't be hard times. It doesn't mean there won't be times of suffering. But it does mean even in the midst of the worst times here on earth, you can know the joy of Christ. You can know the joy of abiding in him. Oh, folks, God is sovereign in creation. He is sovereign in history. And he is sovereign in your life right now. God is king. He is king over all the earth. You can trust him. You can trust him all the time for everything. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your absolute, active, 
continual reign over the heavens and the earth and hell itself. We are so grateful. We are so grateful that we serve a sovereign God who rules the entire universe and who rules and reigns in each of our lives. May we come to you every day and trust you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.